Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to City Church. And if you're watching online, welcome to City Church Online. Either way, you're here. And uh, we are here to honor fathers today. It's Father's Day. I'm glad that society has these days. They're not really uh, Bible days or scriptural, biblical days, but uh, they're here for us to be reminded. Mother's Day is the same way. and uh, they're, they're just reminders to encourage people. And uh, I find that amazing that we actually can say uh, words of encouragement to people in their world for the job that they're doing. And uh, I think it's important to realize that no matter how you don't measure up. And sometimes we think about Father's Day. I think, oh, gee, you know, all the mistakes I've made uh, don't really measure up. But we're, we're not here to celebrate your failures. Today, we're here to say, well done. If you did one thing right, then it's worth celebrating. Amen. So, yeah, give yourselves a hand clap. Thank you, God. Uh, that's awesome. Well, uh, it's not Father's Day everywhere in the world today, so if you're watching online and you're from America or Great Britain or somewhere like that, it's probably not Father's Day in your world, but it is here in Australia, so we're excited about that. If you're watching online and you celebrated Father's Day in June or something like that, well, you get a double whammy, so, you know, celebrate with your dad today. Just say, do you know what day it is, Dad? It's Australian Father's Day, so <laughs> it's a special day for you no matter what. I got a message from my son. He's in Nashville, Tennessee today, actually. Uh, he's celebrating with another uh, Aussie from the Sunshine Coast who has a dad here. And it was just good to get a message from him saying, Happy Father's Day. It means a lot when somebody celebrates and encourages us. Amen? And so that's what we're here about. Uh, I know it's sometimes it's hard because we think about, oh, you know, I didn't get to be a dad or, I, you know, I was a dad, but I failed or whatever, your, you know, happened to you. But I, I realize this when it comes to the Christian faith that it's not about me. The narrative is not Ed. <laughs> the narrative is uh, Jesus. And he, what he did wasn't for a feel good for himself. He, he did it all for us. So if we're following him uh, and we got kind of the short straw in the deal or things didn't work out or whatever, whatever. Uh, try to think about other people. Try to focus on other people and celebrating them. I know when my wife uh, and I, we couldn't have a baby for quite a while, you know, it took us a while. We lost a few. She never once made it about her. She never once got upset when somebody else had a baby and was celebrating, you know, being a mother. She was always there. and She always celebrated with them. It was, her total focus was away from Self. And so I invite you today to step out of yourself and uh, step into celebrating and encouraging other people in their journey. And you watch what comes back to you. It'll be amazing, believe me, what, what God will send back your way when you get your eyes off of you will be absolutely amazing. Well, I want to focus on something that I think is incredible. It's part of our, our mission for our church, City Church, uh, our mission is raising generations, uh, reaching nations. And so as part of our mission, we are all, in effect, uh, spiritual fathers, uh, in a sense, or spiritual parents. And so I want us, no matter if you're a physical dad here, biological dad, or uh, you're not, or you're, you're a woman, obviously it's hard to be a dad. Uh, uh, but I want you for, for today to really focus on what we can do spiritually in raising people up. And there's a big word that I want us to really uh, focus in on this morning, and that's the word legacy. And legacy is what we leave. In fact, uh, most of legacy actually happens after we leave. We, we, we live on this earth for however many years that God gives us, and don't, don't they pass fast? You know, I think, man, like this is Groundhog Day. Like this is just going so quickly. It's, not, it's just ridiculous. Our kids grow up and we find ourselves in routines. Sometimes those routines turn into ruts where we think, gee, I'm just doing this, living the same day over and over again. Uh, but you don't have to live life that way. You can think about your life extending beyond your lifetime. And that's what legacy is all about. Legacy is... I'm living to pass on whatever I've got, and it's what's going to outlive me is my legacy. 
And, and oftentimes you'll find that your legacy is in your children, whether that's biological or spiritual. It's who you are that you're passing into them so that they can live on beyond you. It's not uh, your will and your house and your car and your bank account and what you're passing on financially. I mean, that's, that's lovely, and I think that's fantastic. I think it's, it's a good thing to be able to do that, to bless future generations financially. But it's more than that. Legacy is reproducing the character that you have. And I hope that you do have something called character. Uh, it's reproducing that in, in other generations so that when you're gone, they can pass that on. And it's a little bit like a photocopy. Uh, uh, you put the original on the machine. You, you remember those days when we had photocopy machines? I don't know if they still have those today. I don't even know. I haven't used one in a long time. Uh, you know, you'd put the original on the machine, you'd push, push copy, and it'd spit out a copy. Now, 100 copies down the, down the, down the uh, uh, copies, if you, if you were looking at 100 copies off the original, it'd be perfect. I mean, you couldn't really probably tell much between those 100 copies. But if you took the copy, put it on the machine, push copy, uh, and then took that copy, put it on the machine, took the other one off, Pretty soon, you're going to have pretty well a white piece of paper, because whatever it is that's being photocopied is going to lose from the original. A lot of what we pass on will be lost in uh, the transition. So legacy has to be very strong, and it has to be very potent. And the fact is that our children, whether they're spiritual or physical, biological rather, uh, they, they are reproducing. We are reproducing in them who we are. That's the main thing that I want to focus on today. Now, we're going to look at uh, the, the legacy of one of, us, one of uh, Israel's greatest prophets. His name is Elisha. And I want you to say Elisha. Elisha. Okay, Elisha. Because he was uh, mentored by a prophet named Elijah. <laughs> All right, so say Elijah. All right, Elijah was the older one. Elisha was his understudy, so to speak. And, and when Elisha saw Elijah, he went, wow, I want what you got. In fact, I want a double portion of what you've got. He saw within this great prophet Elijah, he saw something that he wanted a double portion of. When Elijah chose Elisha to come and fo follow him, uh, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He was busy, and he left it all, it says. He left all 12 of those oxen in the field. I think that's interesting because Jesus calls his disciples, and he calls 12 of them, and they're fishing, mending nets, uh, tax collecting, doing all that stuff. They're busy people, and he says, come and follow me, and they drop it all, and they come and they follow him. We see that uh, with legacy, a person that wants what you've got, they, they got to want what you've got or they're not going to follow you. Therefore, uh, you need to really focus on yourself. Do I have something in me that somebody else wants? Now, I'm mentoring uh, some, some younger people, and you know, they show up at my house uh, on a Friday night, and uh, you know, one of them wrote that beautiful song on Father's Day. There, that's Lachlan, and, and Junior was up there playing it. Yeah. And, and uh, the fact is that I don't ask them, I don't beg them to come and hang out with me. They see something in me that they want. So we talk about whatever they want to talk about. And they watch my life. See, it's not about them living up to the legend here. Legacy's not a legend. Legacy isn't about you and them trying to live up to your legendary, legendary status. Le legacy is not about that. Legacy is about me reproducing into them whatever it is that I've got that I've learned from Christ. So as I'm following Christ, my character is changing. Even at my old, older age, I'm learning something and I'm growing every single day pretty well. I learned something that needs to change in me so that I have more of the Christ character, whether that's forgiveness, uh, learning how to forgive people, and uh, boy, isn't that a tough one. I don't know. Have you ever been offended? <laughs> I mean, really offended? Have you ever been ripped off? Uh, it's, not, it's not easy to forgive, especially when you've lost something of, of any value at all. 
And so Christ is dealing with me on these issues so that I can walk free from those things. Now, when I learn that and I become that, a forgiving person, now I've got something to pass on. I've got something that, that can be replicated that we can put on the photocopier, so to speak, and I want that passed on in, in the legacy that I'm leaving. Uh, I think about generosity. And it's not just financial generosity, but boy, it does include that. It's being a generous person because that's something that, that I want to pass on and, and leave as a legacy in the people that are looking at my life. Not just people that are following me, is in Facebook or Instagram. How many you know, followers do you have? How many people are you following? Uh, that's not legacy, really. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about people that get within close proximity of you, that get close enough to you to see you under different circumstances, to see you when you get ticked off. Does anybody ever you know, get angry about something? You know, somebody in your world does something, you just go, whoa. Like, uh, the world says, get revenge. And I love those movies. Uh, you know, the further they fall from the top of the skyscraper or whatever, and they're, you know, slow motion, ah, it's like, yeah, make that trip several seconds to get to the bottom. Boom, you know, they're going to hit that. Revenge. Well, <laughs> that's not exactly God's plan. And people look at you when you rightfully get angry. And there is a righteous anger. I mean, the one that we follow turned over tables, fashioned a whip, chased these religious people out of the temple. He said, this is supposed to be a place of prayer, supposed to be a place of grace. You've made it a den of thieves. He got angry. And he says, don't, let, don't be angry and let the sun go down on your wrath. There's a righteous anger, uh, but you can't hang on to that. So there's all these things that people are looking at. And I want us to go over to 2 Kings uh, chapter 13. And I want to look at the prophet Elisha, again, who uh, was mentored by Elijah. And, and this, this prophet, he had an incredible hunger for um, the things of God. He had an incredible passion for the nation of, of Israel to speak into that. And so we find this great prophet, Elisha, now, and he's on his deathbed. Again, he was mentored by Elijah. He got taken up by some chariots into heaven. Elisha watched him go. His fate isn't going to be the same. He's actually going to die of, of an affliction. He's on his deathbed. He's, he's, uh, he's now passing something on to the one that he's mentored, which is a king called Joash. Everybody say Joash. Don't want you to get confused here. So Elijah mentored Elisha. Now Elisha is on his deathbed, and he's going to give his final prophecy. He's going to uh, pass on his final blessing to the one that he mentored, one of Israel's kings named Joash. And so we find him there. Now Eli Elijah, back to him again for a moment. He, he, uh, he, he did a lot of miracles. Now Elisha... He asked for twice that. He, he wanted a double portion uh, of the miracles that Elijah had. So he's one short. He's on his deathbed. It's like he asked for a double. He's given his final prophecy, and that doesn't count as a miracle, to the king of Israel. So let's, let's pick that up in verse uh, 14 of 2 Kings 13. You can follow along on the screens. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Joash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. Notice what he calls him, and I think it's good for Father's Day. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And she did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window. Now that's based in Syria, which is where their enemy is. And they had been battling it out with the Syrians for uh, years now, their, their enemy. He says, open the east window towards Syria. And he said, when he opened it, he said, shoot. And Elisha said, 
and he shot, and the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. So there's a whole quiver full. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times, and he stopped. Bam, bam, two, bam, three times, and he stopped. Verse 20. Now Elisha died. Oh, hang on, we'll back up again. It says, verse 19, the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, and then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it, but now you will defeat it only three times. Verse 20. Elisha died and was buried. Now listen to this. Now the Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. And once while the Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. And when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came back to life and stood up on his feet. His, his miracle, double portion. Elisha's uh, 32nd miracle. Legacy. What was it? It was legacy. Legacy. Leaving something behind. What he had left in his bones was enough to raise somebody from the dead. So prophecy speaks of legacy. And he gives his last prophecy. And the prophecy was the Lord's arrows of victory, the arrows of victory over Aram. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. The Lord's arrows are the Lord's army. And the arrows represent here, the, in this message, represent your children. They represent what's going to uh, outlive you. And, and, and his arrows are his army, the warriors of the king. It says in Psalm 127, verse 4, it says, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children born in one's youth. One of my favorite movies uh, growing up was The Adventures of Robin Hood. Not the Kevin Costner one. I was already growing up when that one came out. But I'm talking about the one with Errol Flynn. Does anybody remember that one? Uh, Basil Rathbone and uh, Olivia de Havilland. She played uh, the Lady Miriam. And do you remember the, there's a scene in there where Errol Flynn, uh, there's a crowd, there's a contest, and they did this to entice him to come in. They said the winner will get a bow, a golden uh, pointed arrow, like a special arrow, handed by the hands of, uh, uh, of the Lady Miriam. And so that's Olivia de Havilland. Of course, the swashbuckler uh, comes in and enters the contest, shoots a bullseye. Another, uh, the competitor, the kind of like this final thing between him and uh, I don't remember what the other guy's name was, but you know, he shoots a bullseye. And, and, and so they're wagering there at the table. They're like, nobody can beat that. It's dead center. And Errol Flynn steps up, Robin Hood, and he draws that bow back, shoots that thing, and you can just see it, you know, going through the air, and it splits the arrow, and he wins like he gets the bullseye within the bullseye. They actually, through Mythbusters, tried to repeat that, and they couldn't do it. They said it's impossible. That shot could not have happened. And a 15-year-old kid who was an archer I was reading actually did that. He fluked it, but it actually came in and split the arrow, showing what? That Robin Hood was true, and that whole movie wasn't just, you know, make-believe. It's a true story. You understand that? True story. Uh, but I've always been enamored by archery, and I did actually take up archery when I was a Cub Scout <laughs> and uh, eight years old. And I remember our archery instructor, he had this bow, and they kind of measure, I don't know if anybody here has ever done archery, but they measure, uh, you know, how many pounds the bow is, and, and I, my bow was like honestly, I don't know, maybe it was five pounds or something, you know, uh, but, the, but the instructor had a bow, and I couldn't even pull it back, you know, that's a bow, and, and when I think about old times, I think, wow, the way they had to fight it out, and the weaponry that they used, and the imagery of seeing your children or those that you're going to leave a, a, a legacy to, like arrows in your quiver, that you're going to fire them out. I got to thinking about this and uh, looking up things. And 
and found an amazing passage of Scripture, and it is in Psalm uh, 127. We're going to look at that. And I want to look at the anatomy of a legacy from an archery standpoint. And I, I've, I've called this unfinished business. This message today, dads, is to you. Dad, you've got unfinished business. Spiritual mentors, you've got unfinished business because legacy is never done. Legacy just goes on. It's what's going to outlive you. And so I want to give us five uh, factors, father factors, I've called them, uh, when it comes to legacy that we can look at to kind of guide us through so that we can hit the mark and uh, leave an incredible legacy. Again, your arrows here represent your children. I've had the privilege of, of raising one, and thank God he is serving God. It's not like everything went easy, however, uh, but the things that I passed on to him that I'm going to share uh, with, with you now, uh, these are things that I've lived that I know God honored that, and uh, no matter what, your kids will end up, I believe, following God. So one for each verse, Psalm 127, and, and the first thing, the first factor is aim your arrows toward God. Not toward you, not towards them living up to legacy. There's a lot of uh, uh, direction or aims, if you will. There's a lot of targets in life that your children can focus in on. There's rock stars, sports stars, wealth. There's a lot of characters out there, but a lot, but, but a lot of them you don't want reproduced. And don't we know that? I mean, how many times do you flick on the news or open a newspaper if you're old school and, and you look at it and you go, man, like they were like the greatest point score, goal score, whatever, whatever, whatever. They were top of the charts. They had a big church. Yes, indeed. Pastors are not exempt either. Religious people are, are no more exempt than anybody else. They were an airline pilot. They were a doctor. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But their character was flawed. And I like to say this, not with any kind of pleasure or anything, but uh, you can't consistently perform in a manner that is inconsistent with who you really are. I'll let that sink in. You can keep it up for a while, but over time, eventually time is going to tell you out. Who you really are is going to come out. It's going to come out your mouth. It's going to come out your attitude. It's going to come out your behavior, your uh, habits, if you will. And, and, and when it does, if you've got children that you're mentoring, it's going to come out in them. It's going to be reproduced in them. Now, I've made some mistakes as a dad. So if you're here and you're not the perfect dad, you are in good company. There is no arrows pointed at you, and I'm not trying to shoot anybody here. Uh, I, I've made some mistakes, big mistakes. There's one solution if you've made those mistakes and you get a chance and your kids are still alive somewhere. It's, it's not that hard. You either ring them up or you go visit them and you say these words, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I remember one time I, I lost it and, uh, you know, we were on holidays and I don't know what it was, but I was just, you know, I was on stress. I didn't realize how, how much I needed a holiday. You ever been there? Like after about the second week of being on a holiday, I'm like, man, did I need this or what? And I had no idea that I really needed that holiday <laughs> until I'm on the holiday and I'm unwinding and everything. Unfortunately, I don't know what it was at the first part of the holiday. I just got, you know, really upset. Everything was kind of coming out and my son happened to be there. And it was his birthday. And uh, I, I felt really bad. I'll be honest. I felt really bad. You ever been there? You, you, you kind of lose it. You think, oh, man, like, what was I thinking? Well, the fact is you weren't thinking. Your emotions were coming out. We're all human. Is it okay if I be human for a moment? Okay. Got some permission anyway. Or if you want pretense, we can have pretense church. I think there's enough of that around, don't, don't you? I think there's enough pretend. I'd rather not pretend. I'd rather just get real. So I, I believe in transparency and being real. And so it wasn't that long ago, actually, that I, I was with my son, and I said to him, you know what? I am so sorry for what I did on your 10th birthday. 
And he goes, Dad, what do you mean? I go, you know what I mean. He goes, yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> and I said, I'm really sorry. And I told him what I was going through at the time, and it, wasn't, it was something that was, you know, just issues, and I had, uh, I, I needed neck surgery. I was in chronic pain. If you've ever been in chronic pain for any length of time, for me, it was like a 20-year stretch of just really bad uh, collapsed uh, discs and just, you know, hitting nerves, and it's like, I was just a mess, and it just came out, and, uh, and I said, I'm really, really sorry. Now, I can't go back in time and undo all of that, and neither can you. Look, whatever's happened in your life, it's happened. You've got to move on from it. But you can go back and you can say sorry. And I think we need to apologize and say sorry more often than not. I think it shows uh, humility, and it's a really good thing to pass on is humility and, and and drop the pride stuff and just say, hey, I blew it, I stuffed it up, I want, I want you to know I can't go back, but I will make it up, uh, and I ask you to forgive me. That's one of the great hallmarks of fatherhood, and that's what it means to point the arrows, aim your arrows towards God. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. That's what it means to, to let the Lord build your house. Aim them. Point your children toward God. Lead them into a relationship with God because that's who you're following and who's developing character on the inside of you. There are many directions you can point them in. You, you know, I see parents pointing them in education, pointing them towards sport, pointing the kids towards entertainment. Nothing wrong with education, nothing wrong with sport, nothing wrong with entertainment, but... Only God can, can put character in, into a person and integrity. Listen to Psalm 112, and verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Aim your children towards God, because that direction will determine legacy. It's vision and giving them a vision of what to aspire to, not just making money, wealth, being a great sports hero, etc., etc. Give them a vision of what it means to be a, a man or a woman of God. I remember one of my mentors, he was in his 80s. Uh, he'd been a pastor since he was 17, and I was 21. I'd given my life to, to, to Christ, uh, come out of uh, uh, Pretty horrific life, actually. Uh, I, I like to party a lot, and uh, but I but God started to clean me up, and I started spending time with this old pastor, and and his name we called him Pop Pop Butcher, and, um, and his son was a pastor that pastored a, a great church, and when Pop died, I wasn't able to go to the funeral, but I got the uh, the message of the funeral, and his son got up and he said that one of the things he said, dear old dad taught me was integrity. He said he remembered once they were visiting somebody's house, and he said, uh, I saw this paper clip, which, honestly, it's a paper clip. But they got back in the car, and, and, and his dad, old pop, said, uh, what's that in your hand? He goes, it's a paper clip. He said, where'd you get it? He says, oh, it was at their house. I just picked it up. He says, well, go back in and return it. We don't take anything that doesn't belong to us. Now, that's a small thing, a paper clip, but integrity is a huge thing. And he taught his son integrity, honesty. What are you passing on? What are you reproducing, Dad? And again, if it hasn't been good, don't be hard. Don't beat yourself up. Just change. Make a decision to follow Jesus and to point the arrows towards God. Yeah. I think about the prophet, and he spoke prophetic words into the life of, of the people. The life that's worth following is a, is a life worth speaking into. So how you shape and develop your children is the essence of fatherhood. The, the conversations, it's when nobody else is looking. It's in your, in your home. It's how, how you treat your wife. If you're, if you're married, it's, it's, how, it's how you do business. It's your integrity. It's, it's, it's you letting them see yourself and knowing that yourself is a work in progress, but letting them see God in that. Now, the older that you get, the more of you that becomes unveiled. 
And, uh, and, and hopefully the older you get, the more things that God's dealt with you. You know, I love what the Bible says. It says we have many teachers, but not many fathers. Not many people that we can get close to. It's like a mirror. Whatever's in that mirror, whatever's close to that mirror is what's going to get reflected back. So as you're walking and they're getting close to you, it is like a mirror. They're, get, they're becoming a lot like you, even though you don't realize it, because that's what's coming back at them. And so they're learning uh, everything it is from, from, from you. And so uh, we need to point them toward God. Number two, keep the stress out of your life and out of their life. Keep the stress of your life, rather, out of their life. Look at verse two. In vain you rise up early and stay up late. Toiling for food to eat. In other words, you know, you're spending all your time making money, making a living. And you should. You should make a good living. It's nothing wrong with hard work. But in vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those that he loves. I like to say it this way. The tension should be in the bow, not the arrows. Bend the bow. Don't bend the arrows. When the tension of your life, making a living, you trying to be successful, whatever you're doing, when, when that tension goes into your children, then you're seriously going to have problems. My dad was an executive for Ford Motor Company, and I can remember they were building a, a glass plant, and he was uh, in charge of that, that project, and it was like, I don't know, this is back in the 70s when I was growing up, and he slept down there at that factory. And uh, the stress and the tension of, of, of getting that right, and they had an FBI case, somebody uh, that worked for Ford Glass had uh, taken secrets, and they, they, uh, they found him getting off a plane in Brazil with a brief, briefcase full of you know, company secrets, and there was like stuff going down, like and my, my dad's life was consumed with it. And I was watching, uh, uh, a, a movie, I think, called Ford versus Ferrari, and, uh, and uh, not a documentary, but kind of based on a true story. I don't know if you saw it or not. It's come out recently. And uh, in the background, it just showed briefly, it showed a picture uh, of the Ford Rouge plant where I worked uh, on the engine line, but there was the glass plant as well that my dad gave his life into. But the picture was from the 70s. The glass plant doesn't even exist today. I exist today, my brothers and sisters exist today, our family exists today, but the plant doesn't exist. What he gave his life into doesn't even exist today. But the legacy, legacy that he left does exist. He didn't get it all right. He did some good things, however, and at 90 years old, he gave his heart to the Lord, which I'm excited for. Uh, you know, there's, there's, it means it's not over till it's over. But I think about my life, this church, and what I do, but there's nothing that replaces your family, nothing. Whatever you're living for, if it's, uh, you know, your job or status or fame or money or whatever it is, it, it, it's not worth throwing your family away. And you can't bring that home and, and pass it on to your kids. Gail and I made a quality decision that no matter what the church people were doing, and often church people get up to some things that they shouldn't be doing, uh, we weren't going to pass that on to our child. So he's in the back seat. We're in the front seat. We're not talking church and problems in front of him. We don't bring that into the bedroom. It's a safe zone. There's just certain things that you don't want to put that tension of real life that you're going through. You don't want to put that into your children. You're leaving a legacy of who you are. You've got to deal with these things, but deal with them and don't pass them on and make your kids deal with them. The tension belongs in the bow and not the arrow. And, and, and put the priority on presence, not presence. Now, P-R-E-S-E, -E, I'm a bad speller, C-E, presence. You know, we're all present right now. Your presence. Put the priority in that, not P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Present. So a lot of times we think, oh, I'll make it up, I'll just buy them nice things. That's good, but nothing's going to replace your being present in the moment. I remember hearing a quote from Billy Graham, and they said, you know, is there anything that you regret? He had 
massive crusades. He packed out the MCG. I believe it's still the biggest crowd that they've ever recorded at the MCG. He uh, had audiences with presidents and kings and uh, you know, packed out Madison Square Garden for weeks on end and traveled the world with these massive crusades. I said, is there anything that you regret? And he said, yeah, that I didn't spend more time being present with my kids. You can be out there conquering the world, but losing the legacy that you could be leaving with your children. That means crawling on the floor, playing dolls, Robin Hood, Batman, whatever it is. It means being present, being in the moment, prioritizing time with your children, no matter what age they are, even into adulthood, passing on what you've learned through life. Let not their hearts be troubled with your junk. Number three, honor the origin of your arrows. You may have made love, but you didn't make babies. Only God does, and God's the origin. Listen to verse 3. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from Him. you got to remember, you're not that clever. <laughs> we got the fun bit, but we didn't make the baby. Honestly, you didn't create a strand of DNA, a chromosome, or anything that goes into the making of a human being. You are not that clever. I'm not that clever. God's the origin of life. Children are a heritage from the Lord. So we must treat it that way. Honor the origin of your arrows. Number four, be the warrior that you want them to be. Because everything produces after its own kind. Listen to verse four. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. So be a warrior. What does that mean? Be a person of faith. Don't be a person that they see crumbling over every issue, fearful about all the junk that's going on in the world right now, because guess what? In 10 years, there'll be more junk going on in the world. When I grew up, the Vietnam, Vietnam War was raging. Uh, there was crooked politicians, i.e. Richard Nixon and, and others. Kennedy, <laughs> he wasn't a saint. You know, study your history. The guy, you know, had multiple affairs. The war was raging. A lot of my friend's brothers came home in body bags. Uh, I thought I was going to get called up. They ended the draft the year I graduated from high school in 1973, so I didn't get drafted. I got a draft card, but I didn't get called up, thank God. Uh, and the way they withdrew from Vietnam was probably very similar to what's going on right now in the world with Afghanistan. And, and 20 years from now, they'll have gotten us into another mess, and there'll be some other big kerfuffle to worry about. Everybody will be stressed, and this one here and everything about it will be faded into history. You won't even hardly remember it. It's like, really? That happened back then? Yeah, it did. There's always something. Always. But a warrior isn't a worrier. Be a warrior, not a worrier. Am I going to crumble under all this? Am I going to let my children, my spiritual children, my, my biological children see a, a, a dad that's, oh, God, I'm not the dad. No, come on, man up. <laughs> Put your hand on the bow. The prophet said, shoot. Put your hands on the bow. And then he put his hands and overlaid those over the, the hands of the king. So he felt the strength of a dying prophet, his hands on his hands, and, and they shot together. Now he says, now you take those arrows now and you strike the ground with it. Let me see what you got in you. Are you a warrior or are you a wimp? And God is looking for warriors to rise up, people of faith, not doubt and unbelief. Anybody can fall under, under circumstances and Cry like a little baby, get in a fetal position. Oh, the world, get over it. I'm getting fired up now because because we're reproducing something. Our, our mission here as a church is raising generations. What are we raising? We're raising a lot of who we are. Everything reproduces after its own kind. The law of Genesis, monkeys produce monkeys, giraffes produce giraffes, ants produce ants, wimps produce wimps, warriors produce warriors. 
Does it mean the stuff's not real? Are you in denial? No, it's very real. It always has been. Read history. World War I was very real. All the plagues are always real. All the stuff is real. But God wants some real warriors in the middle of it to raise these people up in faith. What does faith say? Yeah, it's bad, but my God's bigger than that. The Word of God says this. Grab your hands here. Grab your sword. Come on. We can do this. I'm not looking for some superstar, some sports star, some politician to solve the problems. They never have and they never will. The problem is that we don't realize it's the church. The church has to be the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Well, there's a little bit of people that agree there. Get some warrior in you. Come on. Like arrows in the hands of a wimp. Are the children born in one's youth? No. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. What does a warrior from God look like? Faith. That's what they look like. Have the hands of a warrior. Build confidence in them. Value them. Number five, and then we're going to close. Number five, recognize the power of their potential. Look at verse five. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, full of arrows. The, the potential are in the arrows, not the quiver. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. The arrows are, are, are to be released. But the word potential comes from, it's a Latin word, it comes from, uh, it means this, something powerful lying within. A possibility, but not yet reality. Something undeveloped. Something that can be realized but is not yet recognized. Every single person has incredible potential lying within them, and it is our job, fathers, warriors, mothers, parents, it is our job to see that potential in them and like a prophet to speak that out, to speak into their lives, to give them that direction and pull that potential out of them. How do we do that? It's with the prayers that we pray and the words that we speak over them. You can do that. You're bigger than that. Come on, pick it up. Yep, I know that hurt. You fell down. You bruised your knee. But get back up again. Get on that bicycle. Let me show you what you did wrong. Come on, let's do this thing together. Come on. See the potential in the people that we're leading, that we're mentoring, that we're raising up here as a church. I went through uh, some of the museums in Europe, and I don't know if you've ever, ever traveled there, but uh, the Uffizi was one of the great ones in Florence. It's got the Statue of David in it in the hallway. Uh, you know, big, giant Statue of David, a warrior. And then in the, um, in the Louvre in, in France there, there's underneath there, there's a whole lot of incomplete works by Michelangelo. Michelangelo did the Statue of David. He did Statue of Moses. He did, like, incredible sculptures out of marble. And a fact about Michelangelo, he started 44 works. He, he started 44 statues. He finished 14. And he said this. He said, Lord, grant me that I can always desire more than I can accomplish. He always saw the potential in the rock. And he'd start in, and in the Louvre, there's arms, and there's legs, and there's torsos, and heads, and all this stuff. Michelangelo, it's like, why, why didn't you finish it? Because he died? But the man had so much desire. If you would have struck the ground five, six times, but the king only went, tap, 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 I'm out. God is looking for someone who sees potential and their life just isn't long enough to fulfill it all. If you're going to take up space on the planet, for goodness sakes, leave a legacy. Live to leave something. Live. Don't just be waiting to die all the time. Get into it. I think about that. Your children are unfinished works. That's why I called this message, you've got unfinished business, Dad. 
unfinished business. There's so much for us to do, no matter where you're at. Oh, you don't understand. You know, I messed up. Then, then say you're sorry and pick it up again, for goodness sakes. Or quit sucking up air. <laughs> you're a, if you're a dad, see him through. Tell him what you learned. See, some of you think you're finished. You haven't finished. Some of you are living with regret right now. That is a bad place to be. Oh, I wish I would have. Well, you didn't, but you can now. Pick it up again. I'm here to say to people that maybe you're down. You think, man, you know, life's just knocked me down. I, uh, I, you know, I had some hard knocks and things just didn't go, go right for me. I'm here to say today, get some warrior in you. Get back up. Come on. We need you. We need people, Christ followers, that would actually follow Christ to get back up again and say it's not finished yet. Even Rocky knew that. Come on, get some Rocky movies out and watch them. You know, get, get that song, uh, Eye of the Tiger, playing or whatever. You know, get, get, get it into you that I can get back up again. Read the Bible. Read what it has to say. Read who you are in Christ. Read what your mandate is. Read what you're supposed to do. And look at these people as arrows. And see that the potential is in them to do great things. But they're looking for somebody that's got some warrior in them that can say, come on, let's do this thing together. Let's take the Bible and let's believe the thing, for goodness sakes. It's not fairy tales. It's not make-believe. It's not Robin Hood as adventures. This is the real deal. And we can do something about it. I'm looking for people that want to change the world. Are you one of them? Well, I'd like us to stand. I'd like the worship team to come up. We're going to close right now. God still has things he wants to do in you and through you. He's not finished yet because your legacy isn't finished. I'm going to pray for you. I think because of I'm passionate about this. I think you can tell <laughs> just slightly. <laughs> you may not agree with everything I say, but I can say this. Get some passion. The passion of the Christ. The passion of the cross. The zeal of God has consumed me. It burns. It burns in my bones. What about you? I don't want to check out of here someday and at my funeral. They go, oh, yeah, he's, he, he sure knows how to tell some stupid jokes. I'm not, a, I'm not a good joke teller, I'll admit it. And sometimes I'm clumsy with my words, but I can only say this. My passion is there to, sit, to see you leave a legacy to your children spiritually here at this church or wherever you go to your physical children to lead the way to lead the way in character that's worth reproducing you've got unfinished business and I want you to take it seriously aim your arrows toward the Lord not, not towards there's nobody that's going to do what God does nobody can, nobody will it's not God's plan Point everything towards Him, but point you towards Him first. Watch what God does. Thank you, Willie. You take that for me. I'm going to pray for those watching online and for you here. If you don't know Jesus, I'm just going to pray a prayer. This is not a formula. There's 50 million ways I could pray this prayer. But the one thing that counts if you've given Him your life. If you're serious about doing that, you're watching online or you're here right now and you've never done that, this is a moment that's uh, honestly the biggest moment in the whole message is, is right now. So you want to give your heart to Jesus. You mean business with him. And if, if you've walked away and maybe you haven't been the warrior, I want you to be in, included in this prayer. It doesn't mean that you're not saved, that you never gave him your heart, but let's give, let's give him a heart again. Let's all of us, let's just re-up, as they say in the military. Come on, let's just get back in this fight. Because it's, it's not over, and God needs us all to pull together 
in these days. Amen? So pray this after me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for saving me from every flaw in my character with everything where I've missed it. I thank you. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Now, if you've walked away in any, any way at all, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for dads that are here, especially this morning, because uh, we often get kicked more than anybody because we don't measure up to the Heavenly Father. Who does? Seriously, he's perfect. There's no dad here that's going to compare with the Heavenly Father. So if you're here and you go, Heavenly Father's here, and I'm way down here somewhere. Well, join the club. The distance between him and you is always going to be infinite. That's <laughs> why he sent his son, that you can, you can be in him. It's called amazing grace. So I want the grace of God to, to, to come upon your life so you can then extend that on. And let's just believe God to leave the biggest legacy. Let's just go out of this world and leave something absolutely amazing in our children, be it biological or spiritual, be they our children or somebody else's kids. Let's just leave something in them that they go, man, that was what a man of faith looked like. That was a woman of faith. That's what it means to be a man or a woman of God right there. And, uh, and I'm gonna pray that prayer right now. Father, I just thank you for everyone that's part of this meeting right now that we would just see that we can step into you and have something that's worth duplicating, that we can leave a legacy. Let your power now flood into every spiritual parent, biological parent that is here right now to hear from you, to see you, to see ourselves in you, to step into that. That out of your weakness, he is made strong. So if you glory, Paul says, I glory that I am weak, that he may be strong. So right now, in Jesus' name, take that strength that only God can give you and allow him to walk it out. Rise up, mighty man of God. Rise up, mighty woman of God. Rise up. Be everything that you can because you have unfinished business. Amen and amen. Well, thanks for watching us online. Um, we love you. We'll catch you next week as we continue our series called Mind Your Own. And uh, we're going to pick up on that one next week. But God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.